Hey, everyone. You're listening to On the House with Spartan, an ad-free podcast brought to you by a full-service turnkey company. I'm your host, Lindsay Davis, CEO and co-founder of Spartan Invest. On this show, we talk about all things real estate, from market patterns, industry insight, construction, property management, and other investment avenues. We hope you'll join as we dive into today's episode of On the House with Spartan. Welcome back to another episode of On the House with Spartan Invest. I'm really excited to have Danny Cole back on with us. He is a sales representative and agent with Spartan Invest. Welcome back, Danny. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. I'm always excited to talk about uh, all the things with Spartan and the numbers, et cetera. So. Yes. And everybody, everybody that listens to us, they love your episodes. You bring so much data uh, to the show. So we're, I'm really excited. And today we're going to be talking about the hot topic, interest rates. This is a, a huge topic of conversation, especially when you're talking about investing in real estate and should you wait? Uh, are you waiting for rates to come down, et cetera? So I, I wanted to first just Refresh everybody. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and and your career um, and how you came to Spartan. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, I've always been in love with real estate. It's it's kind of funny. I think uh, the, the the moment I can remember is maybe you know tenth grade in high school or something. Um, got a degree in real estate and marketing over at a small school in West Georgia. Uh, graduated in 06, Started selling real estate. Uh, actually in 05 and uh, did that for quite a few years and then gravitated back into with the economy and everything. I think we all remember well, 08, 9, 10, 11, 12. But uh, I, I gravitated toward a, a B2B sales role. And so I was a regional uh, sales consultant for a company. And then in 2019, in January, found my way back into the glorious world of real estate. And uh, I've loved every minute of it since. So, Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about interest rates. And there's a, a lot of conversation about uh, really essentially where, where they come from, you know, how, how they change, what impacts the rates, uh, you know, is the Fed solely responsible for what the rate currently is? So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm just kind of kind of let you go and explain that because it, it is pretty complex on uh, where these rates derive from. Yeah, it is somewhat complicated and or I guess complex when you look at it, because some things are directly correlated. And the other things, it's like the inverse operation. You know, one goes up, something else goes down. Um, so the Fed rate, first of all, a lot of people hear it. And naturally, you hear Fed rate or Federal Reserve and you're like, oh, it's a government entity. It's part of the government. Well, it's actually not. They've just got this weird little position that they directly correlate with the government, but it's a private entity. And their role in a, in a very simplistic way is to kind of be the throttle response when it comes to the, the U.S. economy. And, and sometimes that makes, makes them or allows them to make things harder on the U.S. economy uh, with interest rates and things of that nature. Um, and then sometimes it's like uh, just making things a bit easier and, and kind of reboost the economy to kind of pull us out of a recession. And that's the goal anyway. Um, as they do that, that's referred to as quantitative easing and quantitative tightening. So they have a, a several levers that they can pull to go through this process. And the Federal Reserve is just one of them. Uh, the Federal Reserve is kind of funny because it's, so not to go too deep into the details, 
it's it's basically the rate that financial institutions charge for like overnight loans amongst each other. You know, like so when they borrow money back and forth and you think, well, how in the world does that affect, you know, interest rates with mortgages? And honestly, it's not directly correlated. But as what's the, the saying as as tides rise, all ships rise with it, something like that. Um, it's, it's the same way with interest rates. So if it costs them a little bit more to borrow those funds between banks for that overnight side, they're going to increase fees on anything else. Like it could be credit cards. It could be um, car loans. And those things are more directly correlated with the federal funds rate as they increase. So they directly and immediately almost get more expensive. And naturally, the mortgage rates, the 30-year rate, is going to increase as well. So as we've seen over the last two years, the federal funds rate has just consistently gone up by uh, uh, 75 basis points, which is a fancy way of saying three quarters of a percent uh, or a quarter percent, et cetera. Um, as they've increased, rates naturally have gone up as well, just because, again, they, they need to charge within that bank. Um, but again, that is more focused on short-term lending. If you've got you know, maybe... Uh, again, car loans, things like that. The benefit for the federal funds rate is going to be those the savers out there. You know, again, I'm not saying it's the right move necessarily because if inflation's still at seven percent and they're paying you a whopping three percent, I don't know how your math level is, but you're still getting infl- your dollars are getting inflated away. So they will with CDs, with money market accounts, things like that. They're going to pay more. Okay. Um, and, and the same thing with uh, treasury bills, and then you'll see uh, increases there. So you can it, the savers can can put their funds there and save a bit more. But when it comes down to things that are directly correlated with the mortgage rates, you really have to look back to mortgage-backed securities. Now, the MBS or mortgage-backed securities is is a little bit unusual because when most people understand, like, okay, I went to my mom and pop bank down the road. They checked my credit. They looked at everything. They looked at my you know background across the board. Do I have a job? Am I gainfully employed? Um, and they gave me a loan. So you go get that $100,000 loan from your mom and pop bank down the road, and they're going to give out, let's just say a thousand of those. And then the bank in the next town is going to give out a thousand and so on and so forth. You're going to have a hundred thousand uh, loans out there for, let's just say for round numbers, a hundred thousand dollars. Well, the small mom and pop banks, they're not in the business of servicing those loans for the next 30 years. It's very long-term. It's very cumbersome. So what they'll do is they'll find an investment bank and the investment bank will say, Hey, you know, I'll buy that, you know, $20 million of loans from you. And they'll buy it from this town and the next town and the next bank and so on and so forth. So they'll have, let's say, a billion dollars worth of debt or, or obligations. So all of the, the borrowers are now paying the investment bank and saying, hey, everything goes to the investment bank. We're going to pay you our mortgage payment. And they factor in like a certain percentage is going to default, certain percentage is going to um, pay off their loan uh, early, et cetera. And so what they do is they securitize that debt. And when they securitize that debt, that just means that they say, okay, now we can sell shares of this debt. We've got X amount coming in and we're going to sell shares of it 
and people can buy into that. And it's historically considered pretty safe debt, okay, or pretty safe investments. And so as people come in and they buy those mortgage-backed securities from various investment banks, there is, it's kept up with on a national level. And so all of the lenders on a day-to-day basis, they're looking at the MBS reports. They're looking at the charts and seeing, is, is the, the demand really strong for mortgage-backed securities or is it really low right now? Okay. And I'm getting to how the Federal um, Reserve impacts this whole process. But if on a mortgage-backed security, if the demand is really, really good, there's an inverse operation there. So that means that the price of that is going to go up. You know, there's a huge demand. Everybody wants them. The pricing on those mortgage-backed securities are going to go up. However, the yield is going to go down. I know that's kind of weird to think about, but think about it like this. If you buy a rental property and you pay way more for it, your, your cash flow is going to be less impactful. So you're going to have less of a yield. Yes, of a cash on cash return, or maybe yet less of a cap rate because of that. So as things get more expensive, as demand is great for mortgage back, they get more expensive, yield goes down. The inverse is true. If there's no demand, then the yield goes up because they have to incentivize. Like, hey, we better drop these prices and the yield goes up. When they do that, sometimes the Federal Reserve and in the recent years, they will buy mortgage-backed securities. So fund fund managers, other countries, uh, the Federal Reserve, many, many people or entities can buy mortgage-backed securities. And so as part of quantitative easing, the Federal Reserve came in and said, we're going to buy billions, billions of dollars worth of mortgage-backed securities. And what this does is it gives an artificial demand for mortgage-backed securities. And so when you just look at the charts, you're think, thinking, hey, you know, everybody wants these. And then, as again, the yield goes down and that yield rate for mortgage-backed securities is directly correlated with mortgages, the 30-year mortgages. So those mortgages stayed low because the Federal Reserve was just buying, buying, buying. So there's a stopping point to that. And now we're in a session that uh, is quantitative tightening. So as we saw so much inflation, the federal government, of course, they're raising interest rates on the federal Fed level. And um, they're not buying as much of these mortgage-backed securities. And what that does is that turns things around. So the pricing goes down because the demand's not there. And naturally, the rates are going up. And, um, and so you see that along with the federal funds rate increasing. So they, again, they are the, the throttle control for the federal government as far as the Federal Reserve. Um, yeah. And does that Wait, make sense? So, um, oh, yeah, yes. And uh, I, I very much like how you break it down, because like you said, it can be with the inverse uh, direct correlate and direct correlations. Um you do such a good job of kind of breaking that down for our listeners. One question, I want you to go back really quick and talk a little bit more about the savers and why they would benefit in this particular, um, I guess, session, like you said, the the quantitative tightening, why that may be a benefit to those savers. Talk a little bit more about that. So with the savers, you know, just from a pure, you know, savings account, how this, the quantitative tightening and easing impacts them, when when things are really moving along, the, the economy is just perfect, right? Um, the interest rate payout 
for banks, the uh, mortgage back, I'm sorry, let me back up. The federal funds rate is very low. They're not increasing. And those banks are borrowing money between each other overnight at, at very low levels. So they're not really incentivized to pay out any interest rates like to, to speak of. Uh, they're very low. So if you're a saver, you're getting next to nothing on that interest payment. But as things get tighter, the quantitative tightening begins, the interest rates increase, then now the CDs, then the money market accounts, they pay out more. But there's a risk to that as well. Now, as you look at a bond or a T-bill or anything like that, and that's also directly correlated with the the interest rate levels and what they're paying out. But as those T-bills, which are typically under one year, um, or a bond, which is a period, it's it's an agreement with the government that they will pay you back a certain interest rate over a set amount of time. Okay, and we'll get into that in just a moment with 10-year bonds. But if you have a 10-year bond, you have to leave it in there for that long and, you know, they'll pay you that amount. Well, as you put your money in there, as in this period that we're in, that the rates are higher. They're in the fives maybe. But if you lock money down, the, the risk is inflation. And so if we see a soar in inflation again, one of the great things about real estate is that as things inflate, they get more expensive. Rental gets rentals become more expensive. So your money goes up with the economy. If you lock your money into a T bond or um, a bond for ten years, let's say you're making five percent because you thought, hey, you know, this is safe. It's an agreement with the government. If they default, we've naturally got bigger problems. We've got bigger fish to fry if the government goes completely under. Um, and, and so. You think it's safe, and well, in many ways it is, but if inflation soars again and it's 6% over the course of that 10 years, your money has been inflated away to a certain degree, okay? Um, right, and the, the opposite is is true for when I know we've talked about this and kind of the, the ways that, that real estate is beneficial and can pay you is the inflation profiting. And when you lock in for the 30 year as your property, um, as your property continues to appreciate the loan value that you've locked in, inflation is eroding that that amount. So now you've locked in at a lower um, at, at a lower dollar value in the past, whereas this is this would be the opposite. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, and, and I just look at, you know, because people get so caught up in that. And they say, you know, hey, I'm going to pay 170000 back for a $100,000 loan uh, over the course of 30 years. And I just pulled numbers out there. But they get caught up in that, but they think about it in today's numbers. But 30 years from now, that, that payment's still $600 a month. 30 years from now, um, $600 is peanuts. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's just the unfortunate truth. Um, and so what you're paying back is a very, very low amount. And, uh, and all the while, like I said, you're getting increases with your rent. As the economy grows, as things, you know, can continue to inflate, your rents go up. So, and values with appreciation over right. time. Right. Absolutely. Um, so talk a, a little bit more about the 10-year and, and the rates. Yeah. So the 10-year, that's a great question because with the 10-year bond go back, that's an agreement with the government that you're saying, I'll lock my money up, I'll give the government a loan for 10 years, and you agree to pay back a certain amount of money. Um, with that 10-year bond, 
um, it is is directly correlated, or historically, I should say, has been directly correlated with thirty year the thirty thirty year mortgage rate. So since the Great Depression, the ten year bond and the thirty uh, year mortgage rate have been within one hundred and seventy basis points of each other on average. Now, in times of volatility, in times of recession, that can vary naturally. Nothing is just steadfast, but that's been the average for a great deal of time. When you look at that 10-year bond, it's not an inverse uh, correlation. It's it's directly correlated. So as the 10-year bond will increase, and over the last week or two, we've seen the 10-year bonds. Over the last month, we've seen the 10-year bond increase. And that directly correlates with that 30-year mortgage rate. And again, there's a lot of factors impacting the 10-year bond, people's outlook on inflation, the economy, a variety of things. And this podcast is just far too short to get into all that. But again, the the 10-year bond is directly correlated historically with uh, its lock and step with the, the mortgage rates. Well, and as we're recording this right now, we just saw the, kind of at the highest level. So just from your research and and your thoughts and your experience in the market, do you think that the rates will continue to increase? Do you project? I know you don't have a crystal ball, man. We would be in a much better place if we did if you did have that. Uh, but, you know, just just based on the most recent news of the highest since I think they said in the last 15 years. What what are your thoughts I mean, if if that ten year bond continues to increase, I mean, we could definitely see some some interest rates increase in the short term. Now, I do not believe that over the two year period, the next two year period, that rates are just going to continue to soar because right now we are in a quantitative tightening phase with the Federal Reserve. That's just the way it is. And um, with that in mind, you know, again, they're they're backing out of mortgage backed securities. They're not buying it, so that tightens that area with the Fed rate increase. And what we can't have is a, a 1980 situation where we say, nope, the, the coast is clear. Everything's good. We're going to lower rates. We're going to pivot because at, at that phase or at that level, we, I think we would still be in, in a high uh, danger area of, of inflation soaring again. So that's, that's the first and foremost, um, you know, the, I guess, focus. Uh, that we're looking at. So in the short term, yeah, probably so. I don't think they're going to necessarily soar. Um, you know, and again, the 10-year bond is directly correlated, but there's so many other factors uh, that are involved with 30-year mortgage rates. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I have to I have to say this because this is Spartan Invest and we sell turnkey real estate and this is what you believe in, I believe in. You have rental properties, I have rental properties. What what do you say to the investor that's like, you know what, I'm just gonna wait for the interest rates to to drop. I'm just I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna hold on. Um what what do you say to that investor? I know you talk to, you know, Hundreds. Uh, dozens of investors, yeah, hundreds. I know you've talked to hundreds of investors. So, yeah. what what do you what do you say? What's your advice? It, it's a situation that I, I I firmly believe that if you're in a market that you believe in and you believe in long term, I we are not a YouTube uh, gotcha video. This is not pay per click. This is you know not a situation that we're trying to advertise. Let's get rich quick you know, overnight success. This is a a 10 year play. 
You know, I mean, it can be shorter. Uh, it can be 30 years, for that matter, depending on when you're entering the market. But if you buy in markets that you believe in and um, look at the deal from a micro level, it, it doesn't matter what the interest rates are. It just doesn't matter. If you're looking at, at it from a long-term perspective and you believe in that market, then I would say go forward. Um, and there are markets, and I've said before, that have created a lot of volatility because of their drastic appreciation, because of their migration changes in a short period of time. Um, you know, the, the affordability in those markets, I think, create more volatility or the lack thereof. Um, and, and so some markets, again, I, I just couldn't touch. I wouldn't feel comfortable there. Um, boring wins races. And when it comes to real estate, in many cases, especially rental properties, um, look at that economy. Look at the market that you're in. Look at the diversity in the economy. economy. Um, all of that matters. You don't want to have all of your eggs in one basket, you know? And uh, one of the greatest things about markets, say, for instance, like Birmingham is, again, yes, it's affordable, but within that, you can spread that dollar out. You know, it's not all of my eggs are in one basket financially. Um, so it just creates a lot of safety. I completely agree. Danny, thank you so much. This is a lot of information, a lot to unpack. So I very much appreciate you coming on. Happy to be here. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to learn more, check us out online at SpartanInvest.com. Until next time, this is On the House with Spartan.